Are you the type of person that likes to stay in your holiday lanes? For example, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, I didn't say Happy Thanksgiving to anyone because I wanted to wait until the Thanksgiving Eve service, and I told them that. So I wished everybody Happy Thanksgiving the eve of Thanksgiving. And some people took that to heart. And so on the way out, um, because I tell people I'd like to stay in holiday lanes, worship, I mean, sorry, uh, celebrate Halloween, Thanksgiving, then what? Christmas. I don't like Christmas before Thanksgiving. That's how I am. And so I told people, only say Happy Thanksgiving the day before Thanksgiving. And after the service, a number of people came up to me and said, Merry Christmas, Pastor. Six or seven of them must have got together and said that. So my way to get back at you is I prepared a 35-minute sermon today, okay? I'm just kidding, okay? Talk about patience, okay? Um, how do you define patience? Tolerating difficulty, um, tolerating um, problems, um, learning to delay action. Are you a patient person? I think you know me well enough to answer that question for me. Patient are you? You know, I think about impatience, I think about birthday candles. Can I take you back to your birthday party or maybe your child's or grandchild's birthday party? And you light your candle and say, hurry up and make a what? And you better blow them off. When I was a kid, I said, man, you better go over there and blow off the candles back when there was like seven or eight. I had to hurry up and make sure they blow it off because we all thought the birthday candles would melt down and it would ruin the cake and that would not be good. If you ever do a scientific study on birthday candles, like it takes a minute for a third of an inch of a birthday candle, but we get really impatient. Got to get to it right now. Birthday candles can burn for a long time, but we get really impatient, got to blow them out. Just an example of impatience. Uh, what we are impatient about, now you don't have to raise your hand if this applies to you. Um, what are we impatient about? So let's go through it. Um, I'm doing this in reverse order. Walking or driving behind a slow person. Okay, I see some smiles there. Um, impatient about when you get served at a restaurant. I usually have my wife run in and say, how long the wait? She comes out 45 minutes. I said, I don't need that burger that bad. Where else can we go? Do you ever give them one of those little beepers? Like, go to Applebee's, get a beeper. Time to sit. You ever been there? How long are you willing to wait? Second thing people are most impatient about, or what about, there are two up here at the same time, being placed on hold. You know that? <laughs> You get to listen to the business, um, you know, business song about 800 times. <laughs> be right with you, be right with you, be right with you, okay? Or taking a number. I, no offense to the fine folks who work there, but I don't like getting my license renewed or my driver's license renewed. You come in, you type in your number. Have a seat, take a number. Ever had that happen to you? Be very impatient about that. Define it's a smaller town. Just wait to go to a big city and do that. And finally, I don't travel much, but can you all relate to that? Waiting for what? Waiting for luggage, things that we're impatient about, okay? Um, and so I think about Hannah, and Hannah was a servant in the Old Testament. She's promised by God to have a child. And she didn't have to wait months or years, she had to wait decades. But God kept her promise to her and gave her a son. The son's up there in the name of the book. Who? Samuel. She was a very patient person, and she waited for patience. Um, and God blessed her. So things we get impatient about, but then. When I think about patience, I just read this book called Lost at Sea about Captain Eddie Rickenbacker. He's actually from Columbus, Ohio. He's a World War I ace, fighter ace, and uh, during World War II, he's used for his expertise. So they're going to fly him to an island in the South Pacific to help defeat Japan. And their plane wasn't operating right, so they had to move all their equipment to another B-24, and the compass got damaged. 
And so they're flying to their small island in the great South Pacific and they couldn't locate their island and they flew like 400 miles too wide and they tried to find radio beams to get back to their island, but they had to crash at sea. And for two weeks, seven of them, now that picture is not accurate. There's two rafts, one had five, one had two. And for 14 days they're at sea, uh, they really didn't have any water. Someone brought a couple oranges that they rationed off, but you can't drink salt water if you're salt water it takes more chemicals from your body to deal with the salt and to uh, dispose of it. And so it's really damaging. Uh, a couple things happened. A bird just happened to land on one guy's head. He went up and grabbed it. They ate the bird. And then they used some of the bird to, they had some hooks and catch a couple fish. And it only rained twice, but when it rained, they did as much to collect rainwater. But for two weeks, they're out in the blazing sun. Talk about patience. One of them died. Just imagine that, being in a raft, cramped, five in one, two in the other, waiting for someone to come around hundreds of millions of miles, millions of miles of sea, patients need there. Even when they got to the island and, and, the, and the indigenous people there helped them, they still had to wait. Each of them had, a, had to spend a month or two in a hospital. Talk about patience. That's their story. What's your story about patience? I hear this. Pastor, I have to have three rounds of chemotherapy. Each round is 12 months, and I have to wait between them and do a scan. Or, Pastor, I need two rounds of chemotherapy, and then I'm going to explore if I can do surgery. And then I have to do another three rounds of chemotherapy after that. Or patience in dealing with the loss of a loved one. Some say it takes two to three years after a close loved one dies of grief. Patience is needed. Or maybe the work environment for you is not very pleasant and you feel like you're on a merry-go-round, the same issues, same people. I just am a merry-go-round going around and round. I think about people in eastern Ukraine the war's been going on now for 19 months. There's no end in sight. Or the people in Gaza Strip, how fast those ceasefire days go. The impatience needed, the patience there needed. Can you relate to that? I know a child who I once taught in school. He's now an internist. He's a doctor. He needed 12 years of schooling. And I talked to him after he graduated from high school. The patience he needed 12 years of schooling. Think about that. And for us, patience takes on a different a measure when we have to do it long term. Recovering from an accident, therapy for months or years, or sadness and depression, dealing with that. Patience is much more difficult when it's just not for a day or two, but it lingers for months or even years, or for some people, even decades. Patience. And so let me take you back 700 years before Christ. The, the, the Hebrew people are in exile in Babylon because they're because of their idolatry. And there, they have to wait 70 years. They don't know it yet. And patience, their temple is destroyed. Their vineyards are gone. Their homes are destroyed. Laid waste. They're, they're captives there. Nothing, not much they can do. And it's a story of patience being needed, real patience. Uh, when's this all going to change? We're not talking about like today or tomorrow. Now, I don't know about you. I like it when I go to a doctor and he says you have a bacterial infection or she says a bacterial infection. Great. Give me antibiotics and two days be gone. When it's a virus, it lasts, correct? Patience is needed. And by the way, friends in Christ, never pray to God for patience because if you pray to God for patience, guess what he's going to bring you? Something to be patient about. And so for the Israelites, patience just wasn't a day or two thing. It was a week or two thing years, if even decades. Patience turns into complaints and complaints sense of the proper dressy God. And let's be really honest, sometimes we don't pray to God unless we're in one of those desperate situations. You've heard it said before, sometimes the only way people look up at God is when they're flat on their what? 
back. So if you're praying to God, chances are he has pushed you to your limit. And so the Israelites, they lifted up this prayer to God in their waiting for patience, exiles for years and decades. And this is what they prayed. Can you all read it with me? You ever felt like that? God, why don't you just bring an end to this? I'm done with chemotherapy. I'm done with my grief. I'm done dealing with this person. I'm done with this relational issue. I'm done with this workplace hassle. God, why don't you just come down and deal with this? That was the same verse that many Jews memorized during the Holocaust. Now I'm asking you to turn your mind a little bit. Trains to death camps are being hunted down to trains to death camps. Working as slaves, not knowing what's going to happen. Seeing the destitution and seeing the depravity at concentration camps. And this was their prayer. God, that you would run the heavens. Now are you going to speak to us? Do you understand what's going here at Buchenwald? Please, Lord, open up the heavens and come down and be with us. I want you to do so that the mountains are going to tremble that when you come. That's what they prayed. Deep patience. Another prayer which they said also from this area in Isaiah. Oh, look upon us, we pray, for we are your people. God, have you forgotten me? I'm baptized. I'm a believer. Matter of fact, prayer is simply asking God to remember what he's promised to us in the first place. Have you forgotten me, God? That's what prayer is. You remember to be just to me. And we can pray to God with confidence. At the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, we pray what? Our Father. Not Almighty God, but our Fathers. We are dear children. In patience, we come to prayer. And so God does reply. Now, that's sort of an odd picture there. Are you looking at it? Matter of fact, if you heard the gospel lesson correctly, that's a gospel lesson that has no business in Advent. Matter of fact, it doesn't even belong before Christmas. If you listen to the gospel lesson, it doesn't belong anywhere in the month of December. Matter of fact, you will hear that gospel lesson again. I believe I have it correct. On March 24th, 2024, I'll give you the hint, one week before Easter. What day is that? That's where that text belongs. But here that text is here deliberately because what is Palm Sunday about? Jesus Christ the King enters. And what's God's response to our need and patience, whether it's a chemotherapy or war or relational problems or the hassles we have, his response is the wisdom of God revealed in Jesus Christ. He will send Jesus Christ our hope and our light. And so for the Israelites, God said, listen, you're in exile. I wish I could do more about it, but I'm going to give you a true light. The Messiah will come. I haven't forgot about you. The wisdom and power of Jesus Christ. God rent the heavens open and he sent Jesus into our sinful world to be God, to be with us, to dwell with us, to speak his word with us, to bring us hope and comfort. Look to Jesus. That's the answer to our impatience. Christ is the wisdom and power of God. He speaks God's word. He brings us peace and comfort. He forgives our sins. He grants eternal life. He changes our life. He speaks words of hope that touch our heart and soul. He is the wisdom of God in the flesh, and he's the power of God to redeem and to save. I want you to go back to your situations and patience, the difficulties you have. I'd like you to read this statement from Martin Luther. Can you go ahead and do it? Sorry, a little bit of technical difficulty. Um, very rarely does God answer our prayer directly. Many times he answers it indirectly. God, I'm dealing with this problem. 
Well, sometimes God speaks to us through people we don't know. Maybe we're in a waiting room and someone says some words of encouragement to us. Maybe we're talking to a relative who has a gem. Maybe I'm sitting in a sermon and I heard something I never contemplated before. Or maybe I do devotions and there's a scripture that speaks to me. God works behind guises of the forces that we see. He works behind doctors and nurses who come to us that we wouldn't expect. And he blesses us in ways that we can't expect at all. Very rarely does God speak directly to us or answer prayer directly. He works indirectly over the long term to change our hearts and to change our lives. God works through masks and costumes, through people and places we would never think to bring us hope. And maybe you've seen that in your own life. I was waiting in a waiting room and someone spoke some comfort to me. I was walking down the hallway and someone said something to me. I was at a party once and someone who I haven't seen for a couple of years heard and shared this gem with me. God works in ways that we can't expect during the time of impatience that he blesses us and he touches us. That's how God works with us. Oh, that the Lord would rend the heavens open through Jesus Christ. He speaks to us in many ways. There's one more act for God to do. Rend the heavens of earth with quake and tremble and Jesus will come to judge the living and dead. And scoffers will scoff and mockers will mock and you've been hearing that for years and decades and Christ still hasn't come but he will come. There's patience there. Jesus has done everything else. Well, follow along with me. He died, and on the third day he rose again. And he died, he descended to hell. The third day he rose again. He ascended to heaven, sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And from thence he will come to do what? That's the only thing he hasn't done. And he will do it. And meanwhile, there's patience. God speaks to us and God blesses us in the presence of Jesus there. And he comes to us in unusual ways through a little cup of wine, a little way for his body and blood that touches us. He reminds us that we're baptized into him and we're blessed by that. Lord, what about me and my situation and patience? There is Jesus. Look to him. He's our hope, our source of comfort. We know the final outcome, patience no longer needed. Now, I sort of have an odd hobby I do, sometimes late at night or if I'm a little bit bored. I'll watch old movies and old, old football games. I only watch old football games in which my team what? Wins. I never watch them when you lose the last second, okay? By the way, I never watch Browns games, okay? <laughs> That's torture. But if I know my team's going to win, there's rejoicing. I like movies in which have good endings. What I'm trying to get at is that we know the ending. Jesus is coming back. We'll be with him in glory and so we can be patient. You know the final score. You know what's going to happen. You know, it's a good story that goes on forever. Bring us patience and hope and comfort. We know the finally patience um, is no longer needed. Um, so, we are the church. We're called to serve and hope and patience. And by the way, we now don't say, Lord, as in the Old Testament, rain the heavens open, come down. We simply speak these words. They're the last three words in the Bible. Now you know the last three words in the Bible. Read it with me. Come, Lord Jesus. Last three words in the Bible. Uh, how about this for a closing thought? Read it with me. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. And all God's people say,